Hello everyone, welcome to Vention, where people find passions and passions find people. Today we have on Brad Zinn about the a form of entertainment that has been lost throughout the ages and why we should regain it back. So without further ado, uh, three, two, one. There we go. All right. Sorry about that. I, I've never done Zoom before. I've oh, always no. Done, I've done StreamYard, so this is a new experience for me. Yeah, no problem. It, it, super understandable. Brad, awesome to have you. Thank you. Thank you for reaching out. You're quite welcome, Christian. I was flattered to be asked, and uh, any friend of Pat McMahon's is a friend of mine. Oh, yeah, definitely. Pat, Pat is a very fun and interesting individual. Yeah, he's a tremendous, tremendous uh, talent as well. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, um, so a little bit about what I do and what uh, what this is. It's called Vention. It's about people venting their pa passions, where people find passions and passions find people. Uh, and in a world where everybody's told uh, what to do, uh, nobody's really told why to do it or why to be inspired by doing things. So it's some some things are completely out of the ordinary, like. Uh, with the world of the internet, how it is now, um, everybody could pretty much learn and pretty much start and do anything they pretty much want. Um, and so, so it's super interesting to find these like very niche things and passions that, um, that people haven't even really considered until they find out about it and then find that it could be something that they really enjoy. So uh, me and my family, we've always enjoyed uh, radio podcast or not podcast, but like radio shows. Um, we listen to them as kids and different things. Um, and even now Sirius XM, like our favorite one is the, the, uh, the radio shows that, and you just pop in the middle of something and, and it just sounds great. Yeah. The classic radio shows. So when you were a kid growing up before Sirius XM, did you have uh, cassette tapes or other yeah. recordings of, of old time radio shows? Um, not so much old time. We we did listen to a um, a Christian uh, station thing that that still is still going on now called uh, oh, sure. um, Adventures in Odyssey, um, and, and we totally grew up on that. And just the fact that we had the little cassettes, and then it branched off into the CDs, and then oh sure yeah totally. And um, so we did a lot of that as kids. And then as we grew older, we always still enjoyed the old black and white films the um and the radio shows and different things so there's always been like a, a fun interest in that and it wasn't until recently when um my sister and i did a uh, a branch off of vention um where it was called corn talk where we got together and basically had people send in videos of them talking about anything or doing anything just if they thought that people would want to see or listen um they would just they would just make it just, it literally could do anything. Like one of my professors at Grand Canyon University just created um, one of the pitches of their, uh, they basically taught a class and it was just really cool just to see all these different people and stuff like that. And so my, my uh, gift uh, for that uh, corn talk was uh, creating a radio, a radio program. Uh, and we did, um, we did, the case of the dead adventurous uh it was a sherlock holmes and i got together a few of my friends and 
edited afterwards. We 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 com- we sat down, set it up, and recorded in an hour. And wow. it, there was a um, and the runtime of uh, was about thirty minutes. So we sure. split it up into two parts, and um, I edited it and everything. And it was something completely off the cuff, completely random, but it was so much fun, and we've really enjoyed it. And we've even had like a few ideas for a couple others. Of you could find scripts online and things like that. But it wasn't oh, yeah. until it wasn't until I jumped out there and like looked started looking around that there are still a lot of people that are re- who who preserve and um, still post um, old radio shows and and sometimes dig up new ones and things like that. And so when uh, when I told Pat about that, he immediately um, had you as a recommendation. And so I reached out and was wondering exactly what this world is and like what exactly I'm, I'm doing here. Well, I, first of all, congratulations for someone, uh, and I don't, please don't take this wrong, but someone your age, uh, it's very exciting to see a young person have, uh, take up an interest in, in classic radio and old time radio and, and uh, radio drama and, and uh, doing something of this nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, a, it's an art form. And the reason that radio, uh, listening to shows on the radio, whether it's a drama or a comedy or whatever, the reason that I think it is so powerful is that radio is theater of the mind. Mm-hmm. You have to imagine what you're hearing and they use sound effects and et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. But whatever you picture in your mind is perfect for you. That's it. And when the radio performers were faced with the prospect of going on television, it was a daunting task for them because they realized that visually they would never be able to match the audience's own imagination from what they had heard on the radio. A good example is Fibber McGee's closet. Uh, when Fibber McGee would open his closet door and everything would tumble out. Uh, that's very hard to replicate on television and make it uh, what people saw in their minds. Uh, another great example is Jack Benny's vault. Jack Benny would go down underground and over a moat and uh, over alligators and different things. And finally, he got to the guard, Ed, who'd been in the dark and out of circulation for decades and didn't know what was going on in the world above. And Jack would uh, open the vault and alarm bells would go off and, and things. We'll try to replicate that on television. It's never going to be as good. And Jack knew it, that it would never be as good as what people were imagining in their mind when they heard it on the radio. So it's a very powerful medium. And I think the reason that it has appeal today or should have appeal today, and hopefully will be shared by young people, is, and I talk about this in my one-man show, The Great Comedians, Those Felt Hat and Big Cigar Funny Men. I talk about this in the show, and that is that what I see in, in movies and on television, and especially in video games today, what the young people are being brought up on today, everything is computer graphic oriented. It's all uh, visually done for you. It's all laid out. There's no, there's no imagination involved in uh, either a, a big uh, blockbuster movie about superheroes or on television, you see, you know, massive explosions and different things that just 
absolutely couldn't happen in real life because of the physics of it. Or in video games, it's all visually laid out for you. So the appeal of radio is you can close your eyes, listen to it and imagine it. And what young people are being deprived of today, I think, and, I, and I'm sure there's others that will agree with me, they're being deprived of the use of their imagination. And that is a deprivation that I think is very unfair to our, to our children and our young people. You should go outside and play. You should make up things. You should use your imagination. And radio is a great way to connect with that. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that, I think that's awesome. And and yeah, you're absolutely right. It is like deprived, I would say, even at even being the young generation, I can already see it even just um in more ways than one. It's uh, like what the what this show is about. Not many people are told why. And when people aren't aren't given the uh the, the in immediate instant satisfaction of uh pleasure and visual and auditory pleasure, um without their own stimulus, um, uh, like their own mental stimulus, then um, it's kind of, it's not worth the struggle. Um, nowadays, it's all just about immediate satisfaction and things like that. Um, oh, sure. Well, yeah, that totally. all started with the, with the microwave oven and the, you know. Oh, yeah, the, totally. And the remote control on the TV. And, you know, when I was growing up, you're, you're a bit younger. I don't know when you started watching television, but when I was growing up, we had three count them three network stations. We had a local independent and we had PBS. That was it. You had five stations to choose from to watch mm -hmm. television. Now you've got what, 600 state channels on a, a satellite feed or whatever. And, uh, and you just click through, you know, you can never stop clicking through and, and uh, see soccer from Brazil or, or you know, uh, uh, anything you want from around the world. It's it it's very difficult to capture people's attention today. Oh, yeah. And they're looking for that instant, you know, grab me, get me, and radio, radio can do that if you give it a chance. If you give it a chance. Yeah, absolutely. And uh the world of podcasting has has massively exploded recently. And like sure. so, and something that people are realizing with podcasting as it pretty much progressed like crazy. Um, because before then it, it's it's again like the 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 idea of radio and oh we've we've traversed past that it's an old technology um but with the, with podcasting and things like that people are now realizing that there there is space in the day there is there is time you can put in for a podcast and even there's like the audiobook world is huge now as well and everybody everybody gets like uh just that that little space a spare amount of time and it can just be background noise like a lot of people are, are going to work with podcasts going to work with audiobooks and um they're no longer having to wake up 30 minutes earlier to read five pages but instead they're allowed to go about their day and in a, it could be perceived as like a, a time taker which is which is what anything could pre be perceived as a time taker but in reality it could also be a time saver if you give it the chance exactly what sure. you were saying exactly so i think maybe uh christian if i may uh we may want to back up just a step here mm -hmm. uh for your viewers and your listeners and talk about uh this radio recreations and what we're actually 
what we're actually talking about and what that looks like and what that consists of. There are a number of people around the country that are avid uh, uh, people that, that uh, are passionate about preserving uh, classic golden age of radio programs. And like you say, they're constantly finding new uh, uh, discs somewhere uh, of shows that uh, some people didn't even know existed, but they have recordings now. Uh, you were talking about cassettes and CDs. I started on vinyl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's my era. Mm -hmm. So I had radio shows on vinyl. But uh, what these groups are, they're groups of people that get together. And I'll give you two examples uh, that I want to talk about and tell you about. Now, there are other groups probably on the East Coast of the United States, but on, I, and I, I mean no disrespect to them. I'm just not familiar with the groups that are on the East Coast, but I can tell you about yeah. the two big ones that are on the West Coast. One is called SPURDVAC. That's SPURDVAC, Society for the Preservation and Encouragement of Radio Variety, Drama, and Comedy, SPURDVAC. And they get together once a year. They have a big uh, convention showcase. Mm -hmm. And people come from all over the country, literally, uh, to participate in this. And the great attraction is that they have uh, literally old-time radio stars that are still with us, that are still living. But most of them were child stars. They were children on the radio back in the 40s and 50s are now adults, of course, and still with us. A great example is Margaret O'Brien, who was the great child star at uh, MGM, Margaret O'Brien. Uh, she was in uh, Meet Me in St. Louis and hundreds of other movies. Mm -hmm. uh, there's Tommy Cook. Uh, he's in his 90s now, and he was, he was a child star. Ivan Curry, uh, again, a child star, now is a television producer. Uh, Beverly Washburn, was a child star on the Jack Benny show. She was the, the little girl in Old Yeller by, by Walt Disney. Mm -hmm. And she's still with us. And uh, she comes to these things. So they have a lot of name people. Uh, another name uh, who was not on radio in the golden age, but Diana Canova, her mother, Judy Canova, was a big star in radio. And Diana Canova comes to these things, these gatherings. And she was uh, best known for her role on Soap. Uh, there's another lady, Gloria McMillan, I believe her name is. She was the daughter of uh, uh, the uh, principal Conklin on Our Miss Brooks on the TV show. And so she's with us and she comes to these things. So it's a great place to meet people who have been in the business, been in the industry, actually were there and, you know, did it and got the T-shirt for it. And they come and we just play. It's, it's nobody gets paid. It's all for fun, mm -hmm. spurred back. And they meet usually in California. And it's a like a three or four day event. And they have uh, maybe a dozen or more different radio shows that someone has transcribed the radio show into a script. And then we have people that are directors, people that come in specifically to, to direct. Uh, Robert Tevis is one, Greg Oppenheimer is another. Uh, and these are no plates of chopped liver. These are, you know, well-established uh, people with credentials. And they come in, we get together, and they are cast. They cast the radio show. 
who they want to play various parts. Then we sit down at the table and we have what's called a table read, where everybody gets to read the script for the first time, get direction from the director, whatever, and then in a, at an appointed time, whether it's two in the afternoon or four, four o'clock or seven o'clock after dinner or whatever, the cast assembles in the, in the ballroom. They get up on stage. It's all set up with microphones across the stage like you would see in an old time radio broadcast. Yep. And they have chairs at the back and microphones up front and they have live sound effects. They have recorded sound effects, live music and recorded music. So all of that is there. And there are people that specifically do those things and they're very good at it. Mm -hmm. And we get up on our feet and we read the script and do a radio broadcast. And uh, generally they have somebody with a video camera. So it's captured on video. The other group is in uh, in Seattle, Washington, up in the upper northeast there, or northwest. I'm sorry, upper northwest, uh, and there that group is called Reps R E P S Radio Enthusiasts of Puget Sound, and they have a again another three day uh, convention. It's called a showcase, and again a lot of these same people come up there to Seattle. They're wonderfully warm, receptive uh, people that put on this event. Uh, they're extraordinarily nice. They, they make it nice for everybody. We stay at a hotel, they have great food, and we sit around and read these radio shows and then get up and perform them for an audience, the people that come and wanna see this and support that kind of a thing. So it's enormously fun. Now, Reps has something when you talk about people finding their passion, uh, Reps has two different groups. One is the more professional group, people that have been there, done that, got the t-shirt. And then of course, they're always open. If somebody like, uh, you know, John Doe off the street says, you know, I'd like to get involved with that. I'd like to do that. So they have a, a more uh, amateur group. That's not to put them down, but just to say they're not professionals. And they're allowed, and they meet once a month, and they get to experience the same kind of thing, and they get to uh, wet their wet their uh, chops, you know, a little bit, and see if they can get up and and do it, and if they like it. And a lot of them stay and progress and get better and better, and uh, are eventually used in the more professional group. But it's a place to start, and they're open to it, and you can find both of these organizations a radio enthusiast of Puget Sound on Facebook and on their website and SPURDVAC as well, S-P-E-R-D-V-A-C, Society for the Preservation and Encouragement of Radio, Variety, Drama, and Comedy. So it's a long name, but they're on Facebook and they do have a website, SPURDVAC. So anybody listening out there that is interested in this, if you just want to come and be an audience for this, you know, that's great. Now with the pandemic, everything got pushed aside last year and, and nobody met anywhere for anything. But we're hoping that this coming year that there might be an opportunity to get together maybe in the fall and start up again a live interaction. So what's taken place because of the pandemic is that they have uh, figured out a way to do a virtual uh, a virtual radio recreation. And so let me tell you about Greg Oppenheimer. Mm -hmm. Greg Oppenheimer's father is Jess Oppenheimer. Now that name may not be familiar to you, but let me tell you 
you're going to know what I'm about to tell you. Jess Oppenheimer is the gentleman who created the sitcom I Love Lucy, starring Lucille Ball and Betsy Arnaz. Mm-hmm. And prior to Lucy going on television with her husband, Desi, uh, she was doing a radio show called My Favorite Husband. But her husband on the radio show was not Desi Arnaz. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a different fellow. So she did these radio shows and they said, Lucy, we want you to take this now to television. And she told the network, yes, I'll do it. But I want Desi to be my husband on TV. Well, the network didn't believe that America would buy the fact that this redheaded comedian was married to a Cuban, a uh, Cuban band leader. And so Lucy and Desi went out on a nationwide tour around the country and packed the place everywhere they went and did a show and proved to the network executives that America would accept uh, Lucy being married to a Cuban band leader. So they said, okay, we'll give it a shot. And the rest is history. But Jess Oppenheimer was the fellow who created I Love Lucy. So his son, Greg, now uh, has been deeply involved with these radio recreations. He wrote a play about uh, his dad's experience on I Love Lucy. uh, And that's been produced several times. He's written a book uh, about it, et cetera. So Greg Oppenheimer came up with the idea of doing these radio recreations virtually. And so like you and I are doing now, you're there and I'm here. And so the actors are all around the country. We get together on a video stream and we recreate a, a radio show. Now you, you indicated your project, you had done in an hour and then edited it down to 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg's projects are a bit more ambitious. Yeah, not to yeah. It down, but oh, are a no, bit totally. More. And uh, he has really set the gold standard for how these are done. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Greg's because he has really elevated the art, uh, the art form here. And so we record uh, these scripts and they can be anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour long program. And we record these over a series of days. Now, I just finished one called, excuse me, the Maltese Falcon. Mm. And there were eight recording sessions, each of which lasted anywhere from two to four hours. Mm. So that's a lot of time. That's a lot of material. Yeah. And it is right now being edited by an ASU film professor who is an expert at editing. Excuse me. <coughs> let me let me take a drink. Sorry, my throat got dry. No, you're good. So sorry about that. So anyway. He's editing the uh, footage now as we speak, and it will probably be the end of June or maybe into July before it's ready to be seen, but it'll be about a 45 or 50 minute finished product uh, called the Maltese Falcon. And what it is, is a recreation of Academy Award Theater from 1946 or 1948, I can't remember. Um, And they did a salute to this Academy Award-winning film with Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. So we took it from there. We expanded the script a little bit because it was kind of thin. 30 minutes is not conducive to telling an hour and a half story like the Maltese Falcon. Mm -hmm. So we expanded it a little bit to make it uh, more palatable. And so it'll be about 45, 50 minutes, but that'll be coming up. And then Greg Oppenheimer has produced two uh, George Burns and Gracie Allen scripts 
and one of them featured Rich Little, the master impressionist, uh, as Jack Benny, and I played George Burns in both of those. Mm -hmm. And Alison Arngram, I have to give her uh, her due. Alison Arngram was Nellie on Little House on the Prairie. She was the bad little girl, the 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 the, the troublemaker yeah. on yeah. Little House on the Prairie. Well, she's grown up into be a, a delightful. Uh, lady and she's nothing like her character on Little House and she uh, uh, she's a wonderful Gracie and again here we have a, a you know a, a well-known name uh, somebody who's been around Hollywood has done a lot of stuff and yet she loves doing these radio recreations mm -hmm. and uh, and like I say nobody gets paid for this this is entirely volunteer but we it's just so much fun to get together with these other professionals and recreate something and hopefully people will enjoy it. Now the shows that I'm referencing for your viewers, uh, the two George Burns and Gracie Allen shows that are done and, and finished, they are on YouTube uh, and can be seen on YouTube uh, for free. You don't have to sign up or sign in or anything, uh, but you look for George Burns and Gracie Allen, Greg Oppenheimer with two Gs, and two P's in Oppenheimer. So Greg Oppenheimer, George Burns, Gracie Allen. I would love it if your viewers would go and look and, and uh, uh, make a comment and, and, and let us know what they think about that and be on the lookout for the Maltese Falcon coming in the next uh, six weeks or so. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll leave links in the description for those to be. Oh, that would accessed. be great. Thank you. Absolutely. So do you have any uh, do you have any other questions for me? I mean, uh, I'm I'm here. I'm willing to talk about just about anything you want to you want to throw at me. Yeah, absolutely. Like I I think it's so cool. Like um yeah, like the fact that so many people enjoy podcasts, enjoy radio shows and different things and yet aren't aware of of the of the 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 footwork that's in the background just trying to preserve these and and like to put them out there. And I, I went through numerous, numerous um, uh, different websites just looking for ju just lists and lists of old shows and stuff like that. Um, some of them like very well made, other ones are just lists. And regardless, they, they were all, there's hundreds, if not thousands of hours of radio shows on the internet just just yes, waiting to be looked for. Absolutely, and most of the most of them you can listen to for free. Mm -hmm. uh, you can download a lot of them. You can listen to others. Just listen to them. Radio archives. If you put in your search engine "old time radio," OTR, old time radio, or, or "golden age of radio," mm -hmm. those are the best search terms. And there are literally thousands, as you said, thousands of hours. Now, let me tell you, when I started downloading radio shows in the 90s when the internet was new mm -hmm. there was a uh, uh I, I can't remember what they it was a a, a board uh can't uh, think of the term uh but it was a place where people posted stuff and then you could go there and but now listen listen to this you you could only upload six or eight minutes at a time mm -hmm. so the radio show if it was 30 minutes it was broken into about five different segments and if not all those five segments were there on on the uh, uh poster board you know the, the posting mm -hmm. you couldn't get the whole show and you had to download each section and then you had to use a piece of software to stitch the whole thing together 
mm-hmm. so that you could hear the whole 30 minutes. This is, and I downloaded hundreds of radio shows this way. It took hours and hours to be able to do that. And now you can just click on one and listen right away or download right away. And it's no, it's not a big deal. But I have hundreds of radio shows that when I was creating my one man show, The Great Comedians, those felt hat and big cigar funny men, I wanted to research uh, original uh, material for Groucho Marx and George Burns and, and Jack Benny and, and uh, uh, Red Skelton. And I wanted to hear things that they had actually said and done. So I wanted, I listened to hundreds and hundreds of radio shows uh, for a couple of years to be able to pick out the material that I wanted to include in my live stage show. Wow, that's super cool. Yeah. Um, Yeah, like one thing that just comes to mind when uh, people look, uh, like think about uh, radio shows and different things is like, because it's, because it's quote unquote out of date for to to people's perceptions, um, right? They believe that like it, it wouldn't appeal to them, so to speak. But it, little do they know is that in that era, these were the professionals. These were the top of the line Hollywood type of people, the the big name celebrities that like you heard that person on the radio, and they were the number one celebrities. Like so, people don't realize that even in that day and even like a majority of that stuff still stands as very professional and like still very high top high quality like the writing the uh the acting the the like the voice recordings the the instrumentals uh the foley artists like all of that is still very top of the line and i think a lot of people don't realize that nowadays they kind of just like look at it as more just like um a little bit pass its time type of thing but no like like it, it's still there and it's completely a viable thing of interest the only difference that i would probably see is that some of the comedy may not um like align perfectly with like with like the younger generation and yet to some people the comedy could be spot on um and so it, so it's all just trying it out like for, for my whole thing about my whole push for people and finding their passions is like, just try it out. Um, I'll, um, I'll link all of uh, everything that you've referenced and people can go through and their stories, their fun stories. And it's like Sherlock Holmes and, um, and all these old timey stories that still hold strong today that are oh, still sure. getting reproduced. Like Sherlock Holmes with Robert Downey Jr. is like still like a movie, like, like a, a big name multi-million dollar movie. Like these are stories that were just told on the radio. And, and literally the not having a screen, I feel like is daunting to some people. But it it literally just encourages you just to use your imagination and everything is just in line with your mind. And you can play it in the car, you can do it in different areas, but they're fun, they're still enjoyable, they're worth listening to. And, um, and they're, they're not as you'd expect, like a lot of people would expect um, um, just strictly like uh, mystery stories or action and stuff like that. But there's a lot of like romance comedies. There's a lot of comedies. There's um, one of my favorite is um, the War of the Worlds. When oh, Orson Welles. It, yeah. it, it's so cool. Like, like the whole story about him going on 
uh, on the radio on news, like like a news station. And basically they 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 staged all this stuff and people thought it was real. Oh, and, yeah. and 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 but it, it, it there's so much there's so much ground to cover, like it, like how you were saying how it's difficult to create on in TV. You could like with zero budget, with absolutely no budget, you could say, oh, he traveled to the moon. And then boom, he's on the moon, stuff like that. that that's what's like very magical about it is because it, it takes little to no effort to, to, to describe this huge uh, interdimensional thing that you can't just nail down in, on a screen. So right. I, I think that's something that it, it, and how you were talking about the imagination of people and stuff like that, how kids may be deprived of using their imagination. It's, it's one of those things that's perfectly in line where it's just, even if it's just dialogue between two people, you can picture two people. And, um, and then a lot comes in with the, the Foley artists, like background noise and all that stuff. And it's not until you produce one yourself that you realize how much is in the background, how much effort and all that stuff. Oh yeah, definitely. And, um, that all the amount of time and effort put into movies like there's more to accommodate, like because there's more act, there's more outfits, there's more stuff like that. But it shouldn't the story element and the interest and the thrill, all of that can still be attained without visually seeing something. Right. And I, I, I literally there, and in some ways, in some ways, they, they're even radio shows could even progress. Like, um, they can. Uh, explore more of the person's mind because in some in some shows and things you can actually have a narrated voice of like in their inner thoughts and things and that's something that you never see in movies like very 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 rarely see in movies is when somebody their inner dialogue um yeah that's that's something that uh, radio shows go into because sometimes they're not able to visually tell you something so instead they have to find a little bit more creative ways uh, whether that's through dialogue or through uh, an uh, inner voice and different things. So like it's, it's, it's there to be said that these are completely viable ways of entertainment and that they shouldn't be overlooked just because they've aged. One of the, one of the reasons that I do the great comedian show is I do tell the audience and I talk to the audience and I say, look, if you have a young person in your life, a, a child, grandchild or great grandchild, you know, introduce them to these great comedians. And what I'm talking about is, on you know, old time radio shows they can find on the internet or the old black and white movies. Now, when I do my show, I tell people, I say, you know, hopefully if there's a young person in the audience, they may not know the, the comedian that I'm impersonating at that particular moment. They may not know who Jack Benny is, mm-hmm. but maybe one day, after they've seen my show, they're flipping the channels on the TV and they come across an old black and white TV show or an old black and white movie. And they'll stop and they'll say, oh, that's the guy. That's who he was imitating. And then they'll stop and watch. Now, I wanted to tell you, there was a teacher. I think it was a seventh grade teacher that I learned about some years ago that uh, he loved Laurel and Hardy. And of course, all the Laurel and Hardy shorts are you know, 20 minutes. Well, they made some movies, but yeah, you know, yeah. the short are 20, 20 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're all black and white, of course, at Laurel and Hardy. 
And so the teacher said, if you, if the class will pass this test, you know, this quiz or whatever he was doing, he said, I'll reward you by showing you a Laurel and Hardy short. Mm -hmm. Well, the kids were like, what? I don't know. Who's that? You know, and they, you know, kind of poo-pooed the idea. So he showed them the movie and they kind of sat there and he wasn't quite sure what the reaction was, but it didn't seem to be, you know, too great. So sometime later, he was giving another quiz. And, and he said, okay, you know, we're going to do this quiz. And they said, well, aren't you going to show us another Laurel and Hardy? And he was stunned because he, he didn't know that it had sunk in. Yeah. And they really did like it. And so the kids started demanding that he show them <laughs> these Laurel and Hardy movies. They wanted to see another one and another one and another one. So the kids picked up on it. And, it, uh, and so the bottom line is, for anybody watching this, if you're saying, well, how do I go about doing this? Well, you know, what do I do first? Um, depending on the age of the, you know, kids in your household, whether they be children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, Laurel and Hardy, and, you know, sometimes the Three Stooges and uh, things of that nature, those are great places to start mm -hmm. because they're instantly engageable by young people mm -hmm. and they can, they can uh, uh, relate and they, and they think, Laurel and Hardy are funny, you know, uh, the Marx Brothers also can be uh, because they're very um, kinetic. Uh, there's a lot of energy in the in a Marx Brothers movie and a lot mm -hmm. of uh, uh, anarchy going on uh, at all times. So that's uh, uh, that's a good place to start, depending on the age of the young person. But it is possible to introduce in little doses and get somebody started and then maybe share a radio show with them and uh, the lone ranger or the green hornet or oh, Superman yeah. or uh, 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 Lum and abner uh, the great gildersleeve uh, fibber mcgee and molly or jack benny program or great uh, george Al uh, george burns and gracie allen there's all kinds of radio shows to choose from out there mm -hmm. and uh, you know pick one that you think might appeal to your your young person and sit down and listen listen with them listen to it with them so that you're uh, it's a bonding experience between generations and i think that's uh, great advice and that's my mission that's when when i hear people after the show come up to me and say you know i shared this with you know my grandchild or whatever and they love it now and whatever that's what makes what i do uh, worthwhile. It's not just a paycheck. And mm -hmm. I think this goes to your point about passion. Uh, it's not always about the money. It is, you know, it's, it's, it's what gives you pleasure in the end, satisfaction in the end, mm -hmm. to see that you have had a positive impact on someone else's life. And I think if you can find your passion to do something of that nature, then, you know, then you're, you're on to something. Uh, you're on to something. Uh, Red Skelton always said at the end of his show, he said, I've always believed that we were put here to build and not to destroy. Well, that's a great philosophy. We're here to give, to build, to, to uh, provide, and not to tear down. People who are only interested in tearing down and being negative and, and destroying, these are not people that we want to elevate or associate with. Mm -hmm. We want to be positive folks. And I think there's an element, if I may, 
because you mentioned you go to Grand Canyon University. Yep. Um, I think there's also an element in passion of the spiritual that 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 the soul has to be engaged in what one is doing with passion. I think your soul demands that, and uh, and and you can find the passion. Uh, uh, when you're aligned with your spirit and your soul. I hope that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, very cool. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I love the fact that um, people are passionate about different things and that they're able to just just ooze out with with their own encouragement. And like, that's, that's one of the main things about, about this show and different things is just, not only enlightening people of these different passions and these different ways and options of things to do with your life, but it also just shows how much drive these people have for that particular thing. And like what you were saying, it doesn't have to be pay be for a paycheck. Like when you put others ahead of your own uh, personal gain, like that's that's when you're onto something. Is what you said, and right. I think that's I think that's super cool. And and, and yeah, it's. People, uh, people are more willing to adapt and more willing to to try when when they know it's not a personal gain type of thing. When they know right. it's not a selfish thing. Um, sure. When it's not pay fifty dollars to watch the premiere it, uh, and like watch me get money type of thing. It's like it, it's like one uh, one of the uh, <laughs> one of the struggles of. Uh, youth adults everybody when it comes to like tv shows and things is they're always wanting the next one to come out like always waiting for the next one but something such as radio dramas and old shows and things like that there's that satisfaction of never having to wait it's just all of the all of their like completely at your fingertips and it's kind of like um the whole thought of like but like with the internet and things it gives you so so much accessibility and that's almost like a deterrent to some people because it doesn't feel like it's valuable if it's readily available amen amen and so the fact that it's all there and in its time was the best form of entertainment by far like and was so revered and has continued to be revered in such a high standard to the point where not only people are like preserving the old stuff, but are coming up and reproducing it, producing it, creating new shows and all these things like is super cool. And um, even the world of just voice acting, even just for like shows and, and cartoons and things, I've always thought was like super cool just to observe, just knowing that all these people can have so much range and so much dynamic uh, right. prowess that they could pretty much just dabble into any character, anything. And, and it doesn't matter how you look. It doesn't matter how your physical demeanor is. It, it, it's so cool just to observe uh, just the world of voice acting and recording and things like that. And, and limited by no visual is almost uh an advancement of entertainment it's it shouldn't be revered as like a deterrent and right yeah and and that's that's kind of like a stigma that should be kind of like overstepped nowadays um and 
not and like tv shows and all these things take your your time and your focus like 80 percent. you could do like a little something but it pretty much takes all of your focus to to gain everything and so that and so like a radio show could be like incentive to still be productive and yet still find like something that's really engaging and really uh really fun well i think that's I think that's why Sirius XM has, you know, found success with the channel that they have. Mm-hmm. You know, you can turn on uh, and listen to old time radio shows and, and still, uh, you know, be able to do other things. But still, you're hearing, you're listening, you're knowing what's happening. You don't need to put your eyes on the screen, so to speak. Oh, yeah. It all happens up here, you know. One, one of the one of the coolest things that like my family and I and just us we do is we'll turn it on and we know full well that there's music readily available and you can just listen to songs and things like that. But we press it and you'll be in the middle of a gunfight of like a saloon in uh, in gold mining, California. And like and it literally you just sit there and you could have no idea what the story is about. I have no idea who the characters are, but it's still so entertaining to to hear the punches. And then the the lady in the corner of the room screams, don't and like all that stuff. And uh, it's just very entertaining. Just once you get into what you enjoy, because, again, it's like every genre of anything like you can find things that you completely don't enjoy. And that's perfectly fine. If somebody's not into the comedies, they might enjoy the mysteries. They don't enjoy the right. mysteries. They could do the rom-coms uh, and stuff like that. And so like, there's, there, there's a huge variety and it's, and it's worth trying. Um, I can get your agreement on it's worth trying. Absolutely. 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 Try it. You'll like it. <laughs> you'll, you'll like something about it. And, and regardless, it's, it's, it's very enjoyable regardless. And the fact that there are so many people out there that are still this in, in depth about it, like in it, um, still gives it testament that it is worth at least looking in, into. Absolutely. Well, Christian, one more time, I just want to tell you how impressed I am that that you uh, have this interest and are willing to uh, uh, share it and talk about it uh, and broadcast it to, to mm-hmm. get other other people interested. And hopefully there's, when, when I say young people, that's not to denigrate uh, anyone yeah. at all. Uh, it's just a generational thing. And you know, part of my passion is to is to find, uh, you know, members of your generation and younger and say, hey, take a look at this. You might you might enjoy it. And the uh, comedy is still funny today because it was funny then. It's funny now. And uh, one of the one of the big things for me, at least, is that it was clean comedy. It was yes, clean. Comedy. Exactly. And and, um, you know, a lot of people uh, say, uh, let me see if I can uh, explain this. We all kind of say, oh, censorship is bad. You know, we, oh, we shouldn't censor anything. Mm-hmm. Well, it, the fact of the matter is, whether you whether you believe that or not, because there was censorship in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, because there was, what it did was it forced the writers to write on a higher level. Yeah. And not devolved to the lowest common denominator yeah and so the comedy at a higher level remains funny to this day because 
it talks about the human condition, mm-hmm. not about the depravity or the, you know, the, uh, whatever, you know, the, the lowest common denominator of human uh, uh, experience. And so that's one of the things that I think people discover is, hey, it doesn't have to be filthy to be funny. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it can be on a higher level, like the Dick Van Dyke show and different oh, yeah. radio shows, Andy Griffith. Jack Benny and et cetera, et cetera, because they were writing about the human condition. And that, my friends, has not changed mm-hmm. in hundreds of years. Yeah. You bet. Absolutely. So thank you very much for having me today. I uh, very, very much enjoyed this. I, so, I, so have I. Thank you so much. You bet. And I'll look forward to uh, seeing where this goes and uh, hearing any comments that uh, folks might have from seeing it. Awesome. Will do. Um, so I did the, um, um, oh, what was it called? The, the, the Case of the Dead Adventurous, uh, the Sherlock Holmes, uh, which yes. I, I, I can send that to you, which uh, sure. we just enjoyed it. Um, and after that experience, we found more scripts online um, of complete scripts and sure. um, including, which I thought was hilarious that, that Greg um, was putting this in, um, that you guys even record the advertisements. Oh, uh, yeah. The Maxwell right. Coffee House. Absolutely. And stuff uh, like that. The, the uh, Maltese Falcon was Academy Award Theater sponsored by, e, uh, e, I think it was ER Squibb, the pharmaceutical mm-hmm. company. And uh, yeah, that's part of the fun of it, you know. Oh, yeah. The authenticity. Well, the sponsors were a big, big part of a Golden Age of Radio. They, mm-hmm. they, that's how you got your show on the air. Yeah. And then, like, after one of the, uh, the programs, like, um, the whistler who's like a, the this mysterious guy is like talking to oh, you yeah. about baby soap and it's just right. super funny oh, yeah. uh, it, but, but it was a lot completely of effective yeah absolutely. absolutely but um yeah so we did that and we found another script and so uh, uh one of our sis- my sisters one of our family favorite old classics is uh arsenic and old lace so oh, um, great great story yeah so so we're gonna um either abbreviate it or do a full version of uh of a radio uh oh that would be that. terrific well let me know if you do that will you will do okay i'll be anxious to see it awesome thank you so much really enjoyed it thank you christian best of luck to you and good luck with the podcast thank you so much you bet